This podcast is sponsored by Kulabula, creators of websites, animation, and digital art. To get a 10% discount, go to kulabula.com and put in the discount code AWAKENING. Welcome to the Awakening Podcast. You can find all the episodes on awakeningpodcast.org. I'm also on BitChute on Awakening Podcast. I also have the Speaking Podcast, Learn Polish Podcast, the Crypto Podcast, and the Meditation Podcast, and all can be found on my call. Like today, my guest, all the way from California. Please welcome Lynn Bowman. Good morning, boy, or good evening to you. And good morning to you. This is super fun, you know, talking across the miles, across the oceans, across cultures. Here we are. Yeah, um, it's always interesting. So I, I've, I've seen you've, you've actually had a, a fantastic career. And I know we're going to delve into the health and you've written a book and everything. But like you've done so many different things. Artist, makeup artist, screenwriter, illustrator, legal journalist, TV weather personality. Right. Wow. <laughs> and there's a good there's a good reason for that, Roy, because I'm old. I'm, and when I came into the market, uh, let's say when I was 18, 20 years old, there were no options for women to to go into a career. It just, I mean, unless you wanted to be a nurse or a teacher or a secretary. And I had less than zero interest in any of those things. Just no, ew, no. So you didn't, and most of the, the, the big colleges, the Ivy League colleges were not even co-ed. That's how old I am. I could not have gotten into Harvard because I wasn't a man. What happened was we just went out looking for work. And I, you know, I didn't exactly set out to do those things. I didn't have a career plan. I didn't have any expectation except that maybe I'd marry some guy and have some kids, which cool you know, and be a housewife. And I was brought up to do that. I was brought up in, I was actually born in Hollywood, California of all places, silly places to be born and grew up in the Pasadena area. So what happened was I was, it was a company town. LA is very much a company town. It was pretty much owned by, you know, Universal Pictures and Walt Disney and those people. And so my friends were in the business and it just, somebody would say, Hey, could you help me out with this? Can you do Yeah, I can do makeup. Yeah, sure. And, and so that's how that happened. And, and it got a little more directed later on, but in, in, in those times and the young ones, y'all young ones listening to this, don't even believe that the way we got jobs was in the newspaper. There were listings for help wanted women and help wanted men. And they didn't even touch in the newspaper. So if you wanted a job, you looked in the help wanted women section, if you were a woman, and uh, all the good stuff was over <laughs> in, the, in the column for the men. But we did what we could and we scrabbled around and, and uh, that's how I ended up with all that stuff on my resume, which I just thought when I started listing it out, I thought it looked kind of silly and fun. And I guess it is. It's like, how can anybody I do all this? brilliant things? because at the end of the day, who, like I would hate to have a job that it's all my life, you know, like I mean, unless you love it. But I mean, say an accountant or solicitor, like every day is kind of the same. That would but that's of- new thinking, Roy. That's a different way of thinking than we used to to think even i've uh, so many attorneys doctors who after 10 years go you know i'm done and they want to do something else maybe they want to stay in healthcare, or whatever but they're done 
And I, I, I can't tell you how many women went through all that they had to go through to become, let's say, an attorney. And after three weeks in the office, they just went, I hate this. I hate it. And so they changed. But that, that is a fairly new way of thinking, uh, I think. And I'm thrilled to see that people are more comfortable evolving as their life evolves. You know, you, you do change. And here I am uh, podcasting a thing that didn't even exist what, 15, 10 years ago? Didn't have, it wasn't a thing. We couldn't do that. And I'm finding at my 75-year-old viewpoint that it's big fun. I love it. It's huge. And so how, how could I have known that what I was doing earlier in my life, all the crazy things, being the world's worst weather person, by the way, I was awful. I was terrible. But I, I tried, <laughs> right? I stood up and, and I had no idea what I was diving into. Um, yeah, but, but I think yeah. it's great to try all these different things. And then that that's how you know, like you do something. Yeah. And you go, I mean, I've done yeah. so many different things. Some like yeah. podcasting, I love. And with the podcasting, I mean, I started in 2080. The amount of people I had to tell what a podcast was. I mean, you never, you don't have to do that anymore. So many yeah. people, what's a podcast? And you're trying to get them to listen to your podcast. They don't even know what a podcast is. No. And, and still, it's very much a younger person's, well, there's a, there's a specific market for it. Really young people, apparently, don't listen a lot because they don't drive anymore. They don't want to drive, and I'm glad for that. But so many people are listening in the car here in the United States. I don't know about Europe, but in the United States, it's, and bless their hearts, these moms who are spending their lives in the car driving little Courtney, you know, from ballet to piano lessons, to martial arts, to whatever. And so their life is in the car, which I'd love to change that. Let's fix that, Roy. Well, I think, yeah, I think it was the kind of architectural design in America, the way they've done it. Because when I was there, I was shocked. Like, I mean, they've like motorways going through cities. Like you can't get around without a car. When reality is a lot of the places in say Europe, you, you've trams and you don't even need it. They have everything kind of bust in the and center and they keep the roads away from it. Americans are just now understanding and discovering that the car industry built this country to look like it does. Cars ruled everything and still do. So these cities, even cities that were well-established and beautiful and had big, wonderful buildings, San Francisco is and Oakland are two examples. When it came time to, to put a freeway through, they had absolute carte blanche to just plow it through the town, divide the town. It was often very racially destructive because there were, there were sort of color lines in, in these towns back in the 50s. And so they jam that freeway right through, you know, with, without really any appreciation, understanding of what they were doing to the community. So we've ended, uh, and we're trying to make that turn back now um, in urban planning, but it's, it's a real problem. And I think it's one of the reasons I wound up in a little bitty town on the coast of California, because LA, the worst, right? I mean, freeways, 
that's that's what that place is and all the jokes about LA and what it's like and, and the cars and going yeah it's crazy and I don't want to live in my car I don't know anybody who wants to live in their car yeah. I think I think people have to realize I, like that's probably one of the good things that's happened in the last kind of two years so many people have been had the opportunity of working at home and they've saved two hours a day, even more. Some people are commuting a lot longer, but they've realized, hey, I can do this. I've got my family. I, you know, I'm yep. saving this amount of hours a day. Yes. And the employers are realizing that they don't need to change someone in a cubicle for 10 hours or 12 hours a day to get great work from them. I mean, hello. Um, and rent very expensive real estate for the offices that they... They spend you their bet. Bucks you and, bet. Yeah. and we also, especially in California, we're really struggling with the lack of housing. I mean, it's critical. It's and dear to my heart, I've been working for 25 years in my little community to try and get affordable homes built. It, I mean, it's almost impossible. It's really, really difficult. So we've we've got challenges, but big one is health, Roy. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, no matter how rich you are, no matter what's happening, unless you're healthy, you don't get to appreciate it. Yeah, nothing matters. And, and I always want people to understand the relationship. I mean, intellectually, I think we do understand that health is wealth and that illness costs us money. But you really have to understand one of the things that kind of got me started on this path that my mother died when I was 18 and she, she died of a, a chronic disease, which she couldn't have helped. You know, it was kidney disease. It was through absolutely no fault of her own, but I watched my family destroyed by it. I mean, all my, the money was gone. You know, when our home was gone, the, my dog, my best pal was gone, all of it because she was ill. And so for all of you out there who can keep yourselves healthy, and that's many of you, it's, it's a huge number of us who have preventable or reversible chronic diseases. Let's fix this now before it costs you an enormous amount of emotional damage and social damage and uh, financial damage. It's not just feeling bad. It's you're going to give it all up for this disease if you're not careful. So that's what I'm talking about. Grandma buzzkill here, but. No, um, no. And I mean, like people don't realize that because I mean, I've seen that a lot, especially in America, because for some reason you would think it's the healthiest place in the world with the, you know, the level of doctors and te technology, but it's something like 61 and it's all about the money and the amount of people like it's, I mean, that's a young age aiding to lose your mother, but to then go through the turmoil of all the financial burden, you know, it's terrible, but it's, it's, it's rampant. Like it is True. rampant. 85% of the bankruptcies in this country are health related. That's one to take home. And another one is something like the same number of people have chronic diseases the large portion of which are preventable or reversible. So not only are we bankrupting ourselves, but we don't have to. You got a choice, but you have to make a decision. And very few people are willing to make that decision. I would encourage anyone listening, 
please, please decide to be healthy and happy. And I can tell you how. It's not hard. It's not, it's not complicated. It's really, really simple. We can do this. And I believe you've uh, reversed uh, type 2 diabetes. Well, I, I won't technically say that I have reversed it in myself. I still technically test in the type 2 diabetic area, just the sort of bottom part of it, just the beginning of it. But at my age, apparently, that's quite unusual, remarkable, because it does, I mean, I've been a diabetic since I was in my 40s. So the, the reason diabetes is a particular problem is because there are no symptoms. You don't know you have it. The only way you find out that you are diabetic is by getting a blood test. And it needs to be a hemoglobin A1C test. And I, most women wind up getting this because most women wind up going to their obstetrician, um, their gynecologist, and being checked up because of all of our plumbing and what needs to happen. You men avoid going to the doctor like the plague. Uh, and, I, uh, and the older you get, the more you're like, no, I'm good, I'm good. Because secretly, you know you're not, right? That they're gonna find something that you need to maybe change this or that, and you don't want that. So, and I love you, I, I love you men, but you have to go every once in a while, get yourselves a blood test and see, because if you have diabetes, if you are in the diabetic territory with your blood test, damage is being done quietly, secretly to your body all the time. And the older you get, the more damage has been done. The older you are when you get it, when, when you get, when I say get it, I mean, when you get the light on, the light bulb, and say, wow, I need to do something about this, the more work it's going to be for your body and you to kind of correct your course and prevent and reverse what's happened in your body. And what's going to happen if you don't do that is that you will start losing feeling in your fingers. You will have erectile dysfunction. You will start losing sensation in your feet. And then you'll go, hey, something is kind of wrong. By that time, I'm sorry, it's too late, possibly, quite likely, to save your feet and so on. Might be able to do something with your erectile dysfunction if you're not too far along. <laughs> and I talk about that because I know you, you care about that more than your feet, right? And I want you to have all the function you want to make your life wonderful. So go get the test, hemoglobin A1C. And what, what it means when, and, and, and I wrote the book that I am bringing to this show because when I was in my forties and, and the only reason by the way that I knew that I was diabetic is because I had what's called gestational diabetes. My, my first child, my son was 10 pounds when he was born and I gained 60 pounds a lot. And so the, the docs, all men in those days, said, you probably had gestational diabetes. Well, now they test you, they know it's a, you know more thing, but back in the day, they said, so just watch out because when you are closer to 40, which at the time seemed like so far away, when you're closer to 40, you should be tested and see, and you're likely going to develop type two diabetes. 
So I kept, when I got a little older and I started asking people to test me and they'd say, well, you're not overweight and you're young and it's okay. I had to beg somebody to finally give me the test. And they said, yeah, well, yeah, you're in diabetic territory. They were surprised, I wasn't. And so then the next thing is, well, what do I do? What do you do? And nobody seemed to have any good answers. I read all kinds of stuff. I went to a class, you know, I did, and I'm thinking, this is crazy. And, and for a disease that is so common, so ordinary, I could never get good information. And then a lot of the information that I got, I thought, wait a minute, this doesn't jive with the meth. This is kind of sounds suspiciously like it's coming from the food industry and not the medical industry. So you're, you're doubly sort of handicapped by the people who are selling insulin and diabetic drugs and the food industry. They both have an interest not in you not having diabetes. They have an interest in you continuing to treat your diabetes with their drugs and their bad advice. And so, the, pr the price, like the price is very expensive for what I've seen in America. For horrible, yes, horrible of insulin. And what most people don't understand is if you're taking insulin, okay, one of the first bits of advice they'll give you as a new diabetic is you got to lose weight. Got to keep, you know, for every 10 pounds of weight that you lose, your numbers will improve. But what they don't tell you is insulin prevents you from losing weight. Okay. So right there, we see kind of rum. Um, so I, you know, I, for years I was reading everything and trying to find everything I could because no one wrote the book for me. So I have now written a book for you. It's kind of as if um, a kindergarten teacher, kind of a snarky kindergarten teacher wrote a book with a lot of illustrations <laughs> for people because I wanted it to be lighthearted and interesting and fun, which doesn't sound exactly right for it. But I want people to get the message that with some simple principles, you can manage and reverse this disease. And the, the prescription is the same for heart disease, for liver disease. It's all the same. And, and you're going, wait a minute, how can that even be, right? Um, but, and I'm, the principle is plant-based whole food. Hello, four words. You with me? That's basically it. That's it. So, but those four words are kind of loaded because that's not the way people are eating at all. We are all victims of big food having told us for, well, since the 50s and before that um, milk does a body good and that, you know, this cereal is healthy and your kids and it and it's all crap, Roy. The whole lot of it is in light. Every single thing they're telling us and the more I'm learning in life, the more I realize I don't know. And the more I realize every single thing that they tell you, yeah, that, yeah do the opposite and you, you'll end up better. And I want to mention that there's a, an author, Michael Moss, who has done a couple of great books. One of them is called Hooked. He's a Pulitzer Prize winning um, reporter. 
and has done a lot of work in this area. And, and he, he chased it down, like exactly what goes on in those buildings in New Jersey when they are designing foods for craveability so that you can't eat just one. That's right, you can't. And, and another thing I like to talk about is addiction because we throw the word around, but the medical community will now fess up. They will tell you that it's true that sugar is every bit as addictive as heroin. And that's not a metaphor. With the sugar cane, they basically dump the best part and process the crap. And there's zero goodness in it. Zero. And it is. So if I said to you, well, I'm a sugar addict. And you said to me, well, why don't you cut down on your sugar? What does that sound like? Like, how do oh, you- don't take as much heroin, you be grand. <laughs> yeah. How do you cut down on heroin? And that's, that's how the food industry is dealing with this is, well, maybe you want to eat less sugar, you know, and that's how the diabetic can, maybe you want to cut back on your refined carbohydrates. Granny here is going to tell you to drop it like a hot rock, get rid of it. You don't need it. It's damaging for you, it's damaging for your 85-year-old mom, it's damaging for your kids, it's crap. It's making people very wealthy, killing you and your kids. And even worse than killing you, it makes you really sick for a long time. So it's breaking you. So wouldn't, shouldn't you maybe be kind of ticked off about that? I mean, I am. I'm ticked off for you. I don't want this for you. And I don't want it for me or for your kids. And I don't um, think even people realize, like, say, the likes of ketchup and stuff like that. There's a high percentage of sugar in everything. Everything. And salt. Fat, sugar, and salt. And um, But what people don't know is how to live without it. Because what's happened in the last... 40, 50, 60 years, we've all been trained like little rats to drive through and pick it up and take it home or to door dash and have, and to eat not at home. And we've also liberated women <laughs> like myself to very bad effect in some ways because no one is chained in the kitchen anymore. So there's nobody in the kitchen. We all left. And, um, you cannot be healthy. You cannot have good health without cooking, without making healthy food, because no one, virtually no one is making it for you. Anyone who is packaging food, I don't care what it says on the label, is not making healthy food so you'll be healthier. You're the only one who can do that. So we have a couple of generations of, of females particularly who don't know how to cook you know they don't they and even if they had the time to do it they're doing other things they're driving kids around they're writing novels they're no one is in the kitchen like grandma used to be just cooking turning it out they're just buying the the processed stuff the fasting and they're they're using microwaves which i would highly recycle it immediately but I love microwaves. Okay. And maybe we need to argue about that. 
but in my my book, what I've tried to do is update the the grandma thing. Here's how you do it fast, inexpensively. Use your microwave. You can do this. My superpower, because I I was a single mom. I had three kids, and from the time they were two, three, and four, it was the four of us. And so, and I had I I was the sole source of income. So my first priority had to be bringing in the money um, and, or we were all going to starve. And then the second was, I was determined that I was going to be healthy, stay on my feet. I was not going to leave my kids. And so my superpower became putting dinner on the table in 15 minutes, just as if I'd had a staff in there, right? But I didn't, it was just me. So, so I, and then I, I've written, this is my fourth book now. And the first one was because a, a girlfriend who came over and was with us a lot said, you know, I, I've never known anybody who could put a meal on the table faster and cheaper than you. And she said, you, you ought to tell people about this. So we together actually wrote a book called Fast, Cheap and Skinny, because this was the, the early nineties, the late eighties when being skinny was a thing as women. That was what we were all about. You know, we really needed to do that. But so that's where my kitchen skills lie. It's not being exotic and having the most ingredients. And my skills are, I can invite people over and have a party at my table and whoop some stuff up so that it's about the people and the visiting and the the community and not about me slaving away in the kitchen because I, I was not where I wanted to be. I wanted to be out, right? Enjoying my guests. So, so I've, I've written this book. It's called Brownies for Breakfast, a cookbook for diabetics and the people who love them. And that's very purposeful because none of us can do this alone. And I don't want anybody doing it alone. We're not meant to eat alone either. And most of us now are. You're eating in your car, you're grabbing something and sitting at a bench and eating it. And, and that's not healthy either, Roy. No, it's just right. not. I, I remember even, and I mean, I grew up where we always had our meals together with the family, but I, I saw the transition where people were then just glued to the television. They weren't even talking to each other. People were just grabbing their food and just eating in front of the television. And you don't even enjoy it. You Like you overeat as well while looking at the television. You, you know, you're not even paying attention and you're not, you're not digesting properly. No. So of, that goes with the territory. Turn the dang TV off, get rid of all the electronics at the table. And, it, you know, the, the, the research about longevity is coming back with some very, very interesting stuff about not only what you eat, but when and where. When is very, very important. And I talk about this in the book. And even since I put that information in the book, there's more research coming out um, about a thing called autophagy. Is that a thing you know about? No. Isn't that a great word? Autophagy. It's, the, and I first learned about this from a, an Ayurvedic practitioner who's a dear friend. And the, the tradition of Ayurvedic medicine says that we should eat 
when our bodies are on fire, when the sun is high, our digestion is high and ready to work. And that's when we need to put the shovel, the coal in, put the fuel in when the sun is high and our body is in that phase. And then later on, when the sun sets, when the sun fades, you're done. No more food because you need to clear the way for your body to do the processes that it does while you're sleeping. And I, I, I can remember when I learned this, I thought, wow, how can I be at this advanced age of whenever it was 65 and not have known this? And it's a simple fact. Your body cannot heal unless you're in deep sleep. That's the only time your body is healing from anything. So that brings up a whole another subject about sleep, but okay, fast forward. Now, what we understand is this process called autophagy. It's A-U-T, um, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> oh, There's some toughies in it. Right. Um, this is the process of your cells actually cleansing themselves, which they now have watched under the electron microscopes and so on uh, and, and documented it. Your cells have a process of cleansing themselves, which they do at night, the night crew, I call it. But in order to allow them to do that, you need to stop shoveling food in your body. So, and, and, this, and there's a lot of talk about intermittent fasting and um, uh, timed eating and so on now, but there is a great deal of scientific backing that doing without food is as important as eating the right food. So it, without going into a long screed about how you need to stop eating so many meals, you, we all need to eat more during the day, fewer meals, Everyone always said for years, you, you know, breakfast, you got to have breakfast. Well, that was the cereal companies talking. That was the donut people talking. You want to skip breakfast? Skip it. It's fine. You, you'll be fine. What you want to skip is anything after. And, it, it, and I, can, I can hear people all over the world wincing when I say this. Anything after four or five in the afternoon is iffy. You need to try and eat in the middle of the day as much as possible. If you're going to eat late, make it light and make it healthy. No pizza late at night. No, uh, and no sugar. Of course, I don't want you eating sugar anyway. And uh, the problem with pizza is a couple of things. I mean, who doesn't love pizza? It's, it, is, it is, by the way, the most addictive prepared food, pizza. The reason why you keep eating it is it really is addictive because it's made with processed flour, which essentially is sugar. Your body receives that as if it were sugar. Cheese, what's wrong with cheese? Well, it comes from sick cows. There is no dairy industry left, virtually none. Unless you've got a cow out in your yard with a name, you are not getting clean dairy, clean milk. It's got all kinds of crap in it. It's got antibiotics in it. It's got growth hormones in it. And that's in your pizza. And that's what you're eating at 11 o'clock at night, along with pepperoni, 
which all of the evidence is very, very clear that preserved meats like pepperoni are highly carcinogenic. And so you're still eating them because you're okay with getting cancer? Why? You know, um, you don't need to eat that. We don't need to do that anymore. You can, you can eat fresh food. You don't, you don't live in a cave where you depend on preserved meats, salted fish. You don't have to do that. So and even with the fish, like uh, lots of the, like people think they're getting the salmon, they're coming from fish farms, right. like the gunk that they feed them. And yeah. they even have to put dyes in it because they're gray and it is just toxic, but yet people exactly. feel that it's good. And like most of the fish these days is coming from fish farms. Right. So no farm fish, wild caught only. I'm lucky I live near the ocean. So as a treat, we get salmon. They bring it in on the boats and we can have good fresh salmon here. I feel guilty doing that because I know that the salmon population is, is uh, problematic and, um, and they're a beautiful fish and I kind of feel bad about it, but boy, is it good. And it is nutritionally great for us. And it's a it's a food. I mean, whenever you see a food that indigenous cultures have lived on for thousands of years, it's likely to be pretty good. And in California, our indigenous cultures lived on salmon all up and down the coast that and they still do whenever they are allowed to fish or you know we've got a problem with people damming up the rivers that the the salmon used to get upstream so and i eat some shrimp because and people always say well so smarty what do you eat you know what do you eat any meat no i don't eat meat i do eat shrimp and salmon some but the rest of it is is all vegetables and fruit and it's wonderful and with with the vegetables then because like i've heard of different things that not to cook them too much and everything so did you just steam them or what way do you do them? no you can cook them any way you want that's the least of your problems it, i you know it, it it's just an excuse not to eat vegetables i don't know how to cook them no you can eat them raw you can nuke them you can steam them my favorite, two favorite ways, and I talk about this in the book, one, throw them in a blender, take them out of the freezer, throw them in the blender with some fruit and some uh, good, and I talk about sweeteners, monk fruit, chicory root, there's some fabulous natural sweeteners that don't have any aftertaste, they're really, really good. And it, 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 the title of my book being brownies for breakfast leaves people sort of scratching their head and that's on purpose. I wanted to intrigue you. It, my brownies are made with pumpkin and nut butter and monk fruit and cocoa, a couple other things. That's all. It's all brilliant food. It's super healthy food. You can eat as many of those brownies as you want and you've eaten nothing but good food and you haven't, and you won't overeat because your belly will know it's had food when you eat one or two of those brownies. Um, and so I, and, and I'm lazy, I don't wanna be in the kitchen. So I throw stuff in a blender. I pull it out of the freezer, spinach, chopped spinach out of the freezer into the blender. There's lots of research that confirms that 
your frozen vegetables or fruits for that matter, but particularly vegetables, you're worried about this, Roy, I know. Those vegetables have every bit as much nutrition, often more than what you buy fresh. I've heard that. I, like sometimes they're just taken straight from the field and are frozen as opposed to like, I don't know, they use irradiation and different things to make them look nice in the supermarkets and unfortunately yeah you're wondering a day later it's just dissolved because it's gone moldy and you're like how how did it go that fast so put them in your freezer pull them out throw them in your blender uh, lots of recipes in the book uh, you can get recipes online if you want so that's an easy way and then the other way that is a grandma way that nobody seems to do anymore is make soup soup is fabulous food it's the best. It's wonderful. And, and what I recommend is make it once a week or once every couple of weeks, freeze a bunch of it. And I, there's a recipe called Genius Soup in the book, which is, as the name implies, genius, because it's easy. It's got all the good food in it that you, all the dark greens in it uh, and carrots and celery and, and um, onions. And then you change it up every night. You throw some beans in it one night you throw some pasta in it another night so it becomes what you eat all week so i promise you there are great ways for you to still have your wonderful life and be in your car but you can now come home and pull stuff out of your freezer or pull stuff out of your fridge and have good food and that's what you need to do instead of driving through sorry no just no don't do it anymore stop and there's donut recipes, by the way. You can make, okay, you can make great donuts in your oven. All you need is a donut pan, which you can get online or in your local uh, food uh, store, your, your gourmet store that sells uh, pots and pans. Get a donut pan and make your own dang donuts. And they are fabulous and they're good for you. Did you even imagine that you would be eating donuts with pink frosting and sprinkles on them that would be health food good food you can do that you can do that roy yourself not much of a donut fan anyway so thankfully but uh regarding because i know with the bread like bread is so addictive but yes that's why lots of people you know they, they've got problems these days you know gluten you're looking for gluten free and everything apparently the wheat was modified to do this so it's intentional so yeah. like a lot of people crave it the same with the sugar what what's the best way of doing it is it to kind of slowly or just go cold turkey how do we because i mean i think if you even make them two changes in your life you'll make a massive difference to your health okay my little story about heroin if you were addicted to heroin and you said to me, how can I cut back, Lynn? What would I say to you? I would say, Roy, get your sorry behind to a rehab center, get help, quit now. Because every single day that you have this habit is destroying your health, destroying your life possibly, because it's gonna take your money too, just like heroin. So, I, what I highly recommend is just stop, stop. 
And if you have a hard time thinking about how to do that, you've really got a problem. So all the more reason to stop right now. Bread, yes, the most of the bread that you're eating is from wheat that was designed to addict you. It's, it is sugar. As far as your body is concerned, it's sugar. So I, I actually have a page in the book with a piece of bread that I photographed very lovingly because it is sourdough walnut bread from a, a bakery here, Acme Bakery, that is made from wheat that is grown locally. And it is fabulous bread. It's really wonderful bread. But if you're not getting that kind of bread, and you're not, unless you live right by a bakery like this, it, sorry, no more bread. But what happens when you say to yourself, okay, no more bread, is she nuts? No more, no more meat, no more bread, no more sweets. What happens is you're still hungry, you wanna eat. So it opens up the door to all the nutrition that you've been missing because you've been eating crap, haven't you? And, and when you stop eating crap, now you're gonna go, so what is arugula exactly? And you're gonna try some and you're gonna go, wow, that's, that's really good. Yes, it's really good. And another thing that happens, by the way, is that your body chemistry changes. Isn't that interesting? When you stop eating sugar and sugar-like substances, your body will go, okay, uh, all right, um, now what? And your saliva actually changes its chemistry. So, and, and in my case, I can't eat sugar anymore. It doesn't taste good to me. It's icky and it makes me thirsty and it gives me tummy ache. Your body will adapt and you will stop craving the heroin. You will stop craving the sugar. I mean, we have mental processes that make it hard. There are reasons why you became addicted to heroin or addicted to sugar. And those are mindset reasons and emotional reasons that you need to deal with as well. But as far as the, the prescription is concerned, you got to quit the bad stuff and you got to start the good stuff. And the, and the good news is now that you're going to start eating the carrots and the arugula and the lentils, brilliant food, any kind of bean, wonderful, flageole, one of my favorites. These are foods that you haven't been eating. Or if you were eating them, they were smothered in, in sausage or something. When you start eating them, you're going to really be eating nourishment. And uh, here's a thing, here's a positive. Are you ready? There's a positive to this. If you are concerned at all about your weight, don't be because it will just drop off. You will not have a weight problem anymore. You can't have a weight problem if you're eating whole plant-based foods. How about that? That good? No, that's fantastic. And I don't know, can you get, I assume you can in the States, but in Poland, there's an app that I uh, use and basically it tells you the salt and the sugar in the products that you're getting. I mean, if, because, I mean, by right, you should be just getting all natural ingredients and then you don't have that issue. <laughs> that's right. You don't have that issue. And people, people ask me about salt 
well, you know, what about I have, a, I've been told to keep my salt limited. You don't need to worry about that. If you are not buying packaged foods, if you're not driving through, you, you will have a hard time eating enough salt to reach that 2000 milligram a day limit that your doctor has given you. If you're just sprinkling your own salt, which I do, absolutely do. Smoky salt, I love it. Pink Himalayan salt, I love it. But I've heard that's good for you as opposed to the oh, toxic table salt that they, you buy in the shop. But, I mean, they bleach, I don't know what they do to it, but that's that's not healthy but, salt either. The, the, the salt that you need to watch out for is the sneaky salt in every can and jar and box of stuff that you're buying. And, and I do, I, I spend a lot of time in the book talking about how to read a label and what does the label really mean and so on. But, but in short, <laughs> if, you, if you really pay attention, just pay attention to the part that says ingredients. Don't even bother with the numbers because a lot of those are like a guess, literally. If you just pay attention to the ingredients, really pay attention, you will very quickly understand where your salt and sugar are coming from. Because it's anything with a label on it, virtually anything almost has salt and sugar in it. And not just a little salt or a little sugar, but lots of sugar and it comes in different forms, but they don't have to list the sugar first if it's Sugar plus maltodextrin plus you know fructose. Oh, yeah. They they get to list it separately, so it looks like ten ingredients when in fact it's five sugar ingredients and four food ingredients. So always look at the ingredients. You don't have to pay so much attention to the numbers, but look at what's in that crap that you're taking off the shelf. Uh, and I even. I spent one whole afternoon in a grocery store one time looking at every cereal in the aisle, every one, even the ones on the bottom shelf where I had to get down on my hands and knees. It's like, who is that strange woman crawling along? <laughs> right? That was me. And because I love granola and I was looking for a granola that didn't have sugar in it. We think of granola as a muesli granola as being this healthy thing, right? Every dang box on the shelf, both sides of the aisle was loaded with sugar. So I, I made up my own. I put a recipe in the book. It's fabulous. It's called very humbly. I named it world's greatest granola. And, uh, and I promise you that it's yummy, but it's sweetened with Lacanta is the brand name. It is a, instead of maple syrup, it is a maple flavored chicory root syrup. Sweet, yummy, no sugar, no calories, no reaction in your body if you're diabetic, no, you know, spiking of your sugar. Um, and the granola is just nuts and, and uh, oatmeal and some spices and very easy. You can make it. And let's talk about how much money you save by making your own. A lot. It's I wish I could make salmon. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's a lot of the time people t 
think that it's going to take so much more. I mean, I know you mentioned the micro, I like I don't use microwaves since I learned about them because basically the, it vibrates, the molecules vibrate. So you, it takes out a lot of the goodness. And I know even in Russia, they were banned, but they brought them back in. But even, even just to put it on a pan instead of the microwave, just it doesn't take that long and it tastes better. So, you know, when you actually just heat it up, I know sometimes you have to, and people, yeah, two minutes in the microwave, but just even to put it on a pan, slowly heat it up, and you'll appreciate it more. Yes, and it, the, the microwave controversy is interesting. My, I come from a family of engineers, nerds, all of them, and my husband included, and, and so... It, this is a household where we love to examine evidence and research and so on. And, and everything is sort of fact-based whenever possible. And I've had a lot of people over the years be terrified of microwaves. And if you really knew what you should be scared of in your house, and I don't have one right here, I had to remove it for, but it's your phone. It's your phone that you're holding up to your ear all the time that you have next to your body. Don't talk to me about a microwave. It's wiggling some, some uh, you know, ingredients around a little bit, but it's not hurting anything. Speaking of the phone, just to let you know, because I did a test on about 10 microwaves, putting the phone in it, getting somebody to ring, which it shouldn't, and only one worked the rest, which meant they were leaking. And the problem is, like... Yeah, I mean, I know there's a lot of people, they claim that the, the, the microwaves are okay and others don't. And you'll see, you'll see both sides, you'll see scientific evidence on both sides yeah, as well. Yeah. But what scares me is children stand in front of the microwave. And if they're leaking, because they like to look at the light and the, the food going around, that is dangerous, no matter what. Okay, and the answer there is just put it up high. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, but, but you know, but it goes on and the same but like from the research that I have done and there's a very good book what really makes us not just on microwaves but they cover a lot of different things you know there's there's a lot of evidence for that so the, the way I see that is even if there's a five percent chance that it is you know you look about scientific and everybody I hope they'll call in and fight with us right exactly I mean because they, like I have friends I mean I have friends on all different topics that I do and the same thing on the microwaves but the the, the, the reality is we don't fall out over it. You have your opinion. I have my opinion. We both put it on the table. And as we say, let the listeners, let them decide what they think as well, because, you know, it's, it's one of these ones that, you know, it's, it's open for discussion. What I will say, you bring up children, raising children in the kitchen, is if you are not raising your children to be at a table once a day, to clear the table, to clean the kitchen, and I'm talking, I started when mine were two, three, as soon as they could stand up and carry something, they were carrying a plate in the kitchen over to the dishwasher, the sink, whatever. And they all know how to set a table. They all know how to cook. And they all went away from home early to college. And my, and, uh, my daughters were only 16, 17. Uh, my son was 18 when, when he left the country to go to school. They were the kids who arrived at school knowing how to wash clothes, how to make a meal, how to sort out their own room and space. If you are not teaching your children how to sit at a table and enjoy it and converse with people and use utensils, what to do with their napkin, how to pass something to someone, all of those old timey, now old timey table skills, 
you're really depriving your children. I don't care about the martial arts. I don't care about the, you know, the extra language lessons, whatever. Please don't deprive your kids of what they learn sitting at a table with you and with grandma and with uncle, whatever. And we, we need our grandmas, don't we? My youngest, uh, he's he just turned eight. I mean, since a very young age, I I do. I'm always we make breakfast together. He, you know, he squeezes the orange, he scrambles the eggs, he even do the cooking, and it, it's so important. But so many people don't do that. I mean, I was spoiled. I was spoiled. I was basically my mother done everything for me, and it's the worst thing you can do. You you should like I know for a fact that he can go away and make his own. He can make scrambled eggs he can do the onion he can do everything you know chop the tomatoes the whole lot and what you have given him also is a sense of competence isn't that maybe the best gift we can give our kids the sense that they can do that they can learn and do and that they are contributing in a very real sense to the family with what they're doing what's better than that what's more important than that i don't I, I I can't think of anything myself, and you know people people and I I talked to a lot of women's groups and and a question that I get a lot is how did you become so confident? Hmm. I, my answer is I was pretty feral as a kid, right? I they opened the door in the morning and I went out. <laughs> I didn't come back until you know the sun was down whatever and we are not allowing our children free range we're not allowing and there are good reasons in some cases why but kids desperately need to fall down and get bruised and make mistakes and fail uh, hopefully in the kitchen you can keep the fails you can pull back from a full burn you know, from spilled oil or whatever but how do they learn if if they are not allowed to mess up some scrambled eggs with you exactly. um, i remember i remember the first time you know when he was doing the eggs the first time he kind of panicked breaking the egg and just threw it down and I, like i know that some people would scream or they would freak out i just yeah it's grand and do it again because if you start doing everything for them you've you've taken the skill away from them and you know you're they're just kind of relying on you to do everything good dad very good dad. And that, that's a reason that this book that I keep coming back to, because that's what I want you to have. Um, I did it with the thought in mind that someone who was eight years old could, could cook from it just fine. And that's, I think we all need simple, you know, we, there are exceptions. There are people who really nerd out about food and spices and, and making it complex and knowing how to, you know, your, your knife technique or, or that's not what this is. This is how to get her done and have it be really good. Uh, I mean, you've seen with your eight-year-old how proud he is when it tastes good, when he's made it and it's good, right? There's such joy in that. And, and like I, I take him shopping as well. And I say, what are we eating? Like I haven't totally engaged in the whole process. Well, we have today, you know, like we eat meat. So we do the duck. And, and I mean, even for somebody like say do potatoes and duck and stuff like it takes 30 minutes, you know, yeah. and for a beautiful and he'll eat a full portion like an adult for his size of strain, but he doesn't leave anything on the plate. But we always go shopping. He look, we look at the tomato, we look at everything. 
And Roy, this is a great secret. Moms are saying, how do you get your kids to eat vegetables? Have them cook vegetables. What your kid cooks, your kid will eat. It's that simple. And my kids learned to read in a way in the grocery store because I had to take all of them, even when they were really little. And sometimes that could be comical, <laughs> but, but I would send them out like on a scavenger hunt. I'd say, okay, you go get this and you go get that and you and so on. So they had to read the labels. They had to know where everything was. They had to know the territory and, and they loved it right? They were so proud when they came back with that thing and it was the right thing or if it was the wrong thing, no, sorry, we're not going to eat that. You have to go back. And that's how they learn. They don't learn in the classroom particularly. And some people, they have to kind of acknowledge that. Some people think, let the kids go to school. And like, I'm constantly asking, what did you learn today? I'm like, I'm doing maths with my child. Like we're having a competition. I bought them 50 books. They're small books, but they're I said, we're reading at least 50 books each. So we're having a kind of, so I read it to him first and he, and they're in English because like he's Polish. So his first language is Polish. So he'll read the book. Then he, I read it to him. He has to read it. Then he has to write, not all of it, but like at least a page of the book. But just by doing that and he's loving it. Like he's trying to beat me. No, just simple game. Instead of like, let's sit down and watch 10 hours of television, you know, and this whole COVID thing has been so difficult for teachers, for kids. It's, I think it's going to have a silver lining. I think people are really looking at education in some good, fresh, new ways or old ways. But what you're talking about, too, is there's so much evidence that bilingual kids have some neural pathways that are very beneficial because they speak two languages. Huge, huge. And much harder in the United States where we are not as exposed to different languages, um, but where I am, at least you need to do Spanish and English. You know, California is very much a, a Spanish language uh, area. So that's good for you and all those vegetables. And I'm thrilled to hear this because that's a, a message I try and, and hit with parents all the time is what the kid cooks and shops for and cooks they will eat. Even if it's asparagus, they'll eat it if it's from them, if they did it. So, I mean, and we make sure we, you know, we put in a bit of vegetables and, and I get the frozen ones because I found that they're actually better because I, you just know, you, you know, once you play with stuff, you go, no, this is bad. And he'll eat it, you know? He yeah. 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 So, Yes, we're trying to save the world here, Roy. What else? have we left anything out? No, I think we've uh, we've covered a lot. And so you might. So the book the book is brownies for breakfast. Where can they get it? They can get it on Amazon. You know, universally, they can get it at Walmart and and all kinds of places in the U.S. You can absolutely get it from your independent bookseller, and I I hope you will take that route if you can just ask them for it and they can get it from their wholesaler. So if they don't have it in stock, they likely won't, but just to ask them for it. And then here's the part that I especially ask you to do. Say, do you have brownies for breakfast? And they'll say, oh, I, I don't know about it. You don't know about it? It's fantastic. It's blowing up everywhere. It's the best nutrition. So shame them into not only getting one for you, but putting it on the shelves for everyone. That would be a huge favor to me and to Roy and help us save the world through your independent bookseller. 
Hopefully, yeah, because I mean, I know that the way Amazon works as well is uh, they do a lot of sneaky tricks. It's always good to support the local, the yeah. local people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We love these booksellers and we don't want them to go away. Exactly, exactly. So how can people get in contact with you, Lynn? I have a website and it is lynnbowman.com, L-Y-N-N-E-B-O-W-M-A-N.com. So by all means, check it out and send me a note. There's a, there's a little place there that you contact, you know, up in the, the um, menu bar, send me a note and ask me questions, anything. I love getting pictures from people of what they've made from the book. That makes my life worth living. So I, I love getting questions, photos of your soup or your, um, any, your, your cowgirl caviar. That's a favorite everybody loves to make. Send me those pictures, ask me questions, lynnbowman.com. And you can sign up there for my um, newsletter, which I'm changing over to Substack soon, but I, I, I don't send it out often, maybe once a week, but new recipes, I answer questions. I look at particular topics in more depth than I did in the book. Um, so I want you please on that list, if you're interested in the subject, please sign up Lynn's list. Oh, excellent. And I know we didn't mention it, but you're, you're 75 years of age. You look fantastic. And I think that in itself, because I always kind of, when somebody's promoting something, whether it's a coach, you, you see what, what the coach has done, your energy levels and how you look is credit to what you're doing. So you're doing something right, which in Thank turn you. is worth investigating. So I love what you've shared with me. I'll be actually, I know I need to make a few changes myself. So thank you very much for being on the show, Lynn. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm going to be checking up on you. I'm going to, I'm going to be back. And you'll have to answer some questions, right? No problem. Definitely would love that. All right. Thank you very much. So that's all for the Awakening Podcast. You'll find all our episodes on awakeningpodcast.org. We're on BitChute's Awakening Podcast. Make sure to give us a thumbs up, five-star rating, and comment about the microwaves. We always like your discussion. Until next week, take care. This podcast is sponsored by Kulabula, creators of websites, animation, and digital art. To get a 10% discount, go to kulabula.com and put in the discount code AWAKENING.